Welcome to another episode of DGM Starter. We're here to talk about startups and kind of some specific things that you should keep an eye out for when you're starting a company. I'm joined here today with Spencer Gray. It's kind of a funny story. We met in sixth grade, but then you moved away and I stayed. But we, yep. we reconnected when I was working as an intern at 97th floor. And, and that's where you're working currently as the senior CRO specialist. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have Thanks, you. Thanks, Dale. Yeah, it was it was funny reconnecting with you. You know, being being in sixth grade and those those basketball games at recess <laughs> almost exclusively every day. Like, yeah, we we hung out a lot. And then like years went by, and I and then I saw you as an intern and I saw before, and I was like, I swear I recognize that guy from somewhere. And I was like, <laughs> anyway. So I had to. It's cool. It was, it was nice to reconnect with you. Yeah, it was it was a weird, like there's a crazy moment. It took me back in time, like yeah. <laughs> so I was, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. But and and shortly after we we reconnected, we actually know, realized that we had several mutual friends. Yep. And we had what was it? It was probably two years ago now. It's been a yeah. uh, maybe a year. I don't know. Uh, but we had lunch at IKEA, and you and and one of my friends who I actually met in Sweden. Uh, so. You, you were both up at the U and you started this cereal delivery company. And yep. I thought that was, that was such a cool idea. Obviously it's, um, you had a tough time scaling it and making it worthwhile if you like to keep running it. But yeah, I'd be really interested to like dig a little deeper into that story. Like how did that get started and where did that idea come from? Yeah. So, um, and actually it went back to 2017. Um, I was, um, you know, I feel like a, like, like a lot of college students, they're up on campus almost all day. Um, and unless you bring a lunch from home uh, or then to eat lunch or to have dinner because you're there late night, there's really no other option than to buy the food that's currently on campus. And so, um, you know, after just paying attention and, and, you know, buying the food that's on campus, I decided to do a little bit of uh, market research. And I found that um, students are typically paying anywhere between seven to ten dollars. Um, per meal on campus, which is insane. Like, you know, you're eating two to three times a day, you're spending a ton of money on food. And so, um, you know, growing up, uh, uh, we had a single mom and she did her best, but sometimes cereal was what we wanted for dinner and for a meal. And sometimes like we grew up on it, you know, just like a lot of people. Um, and especially in college, cereal is like a staple in some people's diets. And so I noticed that like, I just wanted to build an environment and, and like, uh, a place where students could go, like my dream was like to build an actual brick and mortar where students can go in um, and it's open 24 seven um, with all the cereal that you could ever want, um, including like some from like foreign places that you've never had before and just go in there and do homework and eat food for cheap. Um, and so that was the the main goal behind it. And, and it kind of transitioned into multiple stages, but, um, but yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of the main idea behind it. Um, and yeah, so. And uh, so you mentioned at kind of towards the beginning of that, you you did some market research on campus to see if there was interest at the University of Utah for something like this. Yep. Uh, wh what were the steps that you took to uh, like validate that idea that people would actually be willing willing to buy this? Yeah, so I I just put out a simple like because I had never done market research before. I was just like, well, I mean, obviously I just got to collect data somehow and. Um, to me, the easiest way to do that was to build out a simple Google um, Google survey. I don't know what they call it, but it was just a survey that uh, I sent out and 
uh, I posted it on the Facebook page of our class. Um, and basically I told them, I'm going to give one of you guys a $50 Amazon gift card just for filling out this survey. Um, and I collected, I think it was over 750 responses in a matter nice. of like a week and a half. And so the questions that I asked on it was basically like, um, how much are you paying for food on campus? How often are you eating on campus? Um, and um, do you have a meal plan? Because that was a big part of the problem um, was like user, or students were, were paying for this meal plan that they weren't even utilizing. Um, and so uh, anyway, after that response, um, I, I even asked the question like, uh, do you like cereal? I said, do you love cereal? And I said, what kind of cereal do you like? Um, cause I knew that if this were to work out, I needed to know like what cereal I need to provide for students. And so I just was kind of doing it like a two bird, one stone type of thing. Um, and so, yeah, that was basically the market research. Uh, like I said, I, I did multiple phases of this. So, um, when I knew that the brick and mortar wasn't going to work out cause of obvious expense reasons, um, I went into looking into the food truck business and, uh, again, they needed a license. Uh, for me and, and to and to, in order to obtain that license, I had to already buy the food truck, uh, and there was a waiting period of a year, so I wasn't even going to oh. be able to, yeah. Ouch. So that wasn't going to work out. So um, anyway, long story short, I ended up at Lasand, which is an amazing community at University of Utah where they help launch um, students and, and companies that they choose. Um, sorry, it looks like the lights <laughs> went out. Automatic uh, lighting. Yeah, motion lighting there. So um, so yeah, so we just went and. Uh, Lasan helps launch students, like I said, and they um, took me in and they gave me an office space. And what I what I did from there was um, basically um, I set up shop and I was the first student to ever take that office space where people usually just put a desk and a computer. Uh, and I put up shelves and I put up cereal dispensers and I made that a cereal shop. And from there, we built an app uh, where we started delivering cereal to students. Um, through the, through this app that we made, and so from from that point, we were delivering to, to classes, we were delivering to students' dorms, um, and we were really becoming a name for people that really loved cereal. And the looks on people's faces when we delivered them a bowl of cereal was just priceless. And um, though it was short lived, it was worth every second and every minute of stress. So that's such a like that's a cool idea. Like, like obviously cereal college campus like goes together awesome what i think is cool is that you found a way to actually make a delivery service you made an app you, like it actually happened and i feel like there's a lot of people on college campuses who have these ideas but they just yeah. don't know where to start and and that's one of the reasons why i started this was because i had a lot of ideas for businesses but i was just like I don't know which one to pursue. Like people yeah. say, do market research. I don't know what to do. So what were like, what were some of the resources that you used to know what like the next steps you should take, like how to conduct market research, or did you just figure it out and try to find a way like, Oh, I need to ask people questions. I'll just go make it and see what works. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the main purpose behind this whole entire business was something that I was trying to build something that I wanted to use. And that was the the, the big part for me was I, through the surveys that I did do through, through Google Forms, um, I basically took that knowledge that I had and I was like, I used it to confirm what I already believed was happening. Um, and from that point, I was like, you know, obviously I didn't think that this was going to make me millions or do anything big, but I wanted to have fun with this. Um, and from there, I was like, 
if I was a student and some other student started some serial delivery company, which is just absurd, like I, this is what I would want to see. And this is how I would want the brand to look. And this is how I'd want the advertisements to look. Um, and, and as a, as a service, we started getting just our regular customers. Like we started getting regulars who would come in for their morning bowl of cereal or they, or we could expect that they would order late at night and we knew exactly who they were. We knew exactly what they wanted. And it was like, it started to become this community that I was wanting, um, all, all due to just what I wanted out of the business. Um, because like I said, I, I just wanted to have fun with it. I, um, it was my first time ever pursuing something like this. And I think a lot of the success, success came from me just, um, just doing it because I wanted to do it, not because I had this idea and I wanted to pursue it. It was simply due to my passion and love for, for cereal. And I, I know it's funny, but it's like you can really make a company or a business out of anything. And as long as you are, it's making you happy. So, I, Yeah, I feel like that's something that must have been like super fulfilling to see it go from idea to maybe more of a concept and you're kind of building a plan to seeing that actually you have like fans, like people yeah. order every day, same time, you know what they're ordering and, and you're building that community, Yeah, uh, which was super cool. Um, and yeah. and oh, I feel like, so you hit on a lot of the points that a lot of people miss out on, like conducting the right research, making sure that this is something people will use. Mm -hmm. But as you continued it, what were some of the struggles that you faced as you, you wanted to, I know when we talked, you said it started to become a huge time commitment. It started like, uh, it started being heavier. You're trying to figure out ways to make it more profitable but it's just a, a tough idea so what were some of the roadblocks that you encountered after you got it up and running saw yeah. a few fans that made it, it tough to to keep running it and and what yeah. if there's anything that you would have done differently what would you have done differently yeah so i would say i mean number one like right off the bat you know i was trying to graduate that next year um and I was taking 17 to 20 credit hours in the it's middle business. of doing this. Yeah. And so, like, I, I loved it so much. But my, my main goal and my, what I knew was going to actually push me further in life was just getting this degree. Um, and so going through right at the beginning, um, I had a few team members who I brought on in the first couple weeks um, to help me run this thing. And I, I made a whole schedule, like, this is when these guys have classes. This is when I have classes. Okay, who's going to be running the shop? Um, and, and there were times where it worked out great. Um, but, but there were other times where we found that they were sitting there at the shop for four or five hours and there was nobody. Um, and that was fine. Like, that, you know, nobody knows about it. And that's a normal thing to happen in a startup that you just don't get the traffic that you want right away. And that's normal. And, and so... Um, Anyway, so for me, it was hard because I wanted to be there all the time and I wanted to make sure that, you know, things were going smoothly and I was working on more ads or I was working on um, just more promotional things to get people to know about Spoonful. And so they anyway, so they they just it, my classes and, and my schedule were the biggest things that that hindered the growth of that. Um, if I were to, to do it again, um, well, two things. One, the, the having the delivery system wasn't profitable. So 
having a full-time service member to deliver tiny bowls of cereal that were three or four bucks, they would have to deliver just so many to be able to pay them. Um, and so that was the first roadblock. I realized that in order to have full-time people, I need to make full-time income and I wasn't doing that. So I was having to work the whole time. Um, the second thing was that um, though college students love cereal, they are stuck in those meal plans. And so um, they have already spent thousands of dollars into this meal plan. They don't really want to swipe their credit card for a bowl of cereal when they can go to the cafeteria and get something very similar. So that was the other thing, um, which, by the way, we had partnered with um, the company that makes the meal plans. And we were going to we were going to be a new meal to deliver delivery service for them because they loved the way that we were running our business. And so um, anyway, that's a whole different path. But uh, I don't want to get sidetracked. So they just um, the biggest thing for me, if I were to do it again, was to do it outside of school. Um, I still think right now it would be a successful business if you could figure it out. Um, I also want to open it up in an airport. Um, that's like my my next big thing is I would love to put Spoonful in an airport where there's businessmen and women and they are just traveling uh, super late nights. And most places, as you know, in an airport, food is crazy expensive. Um, and so I just feel like cereal is a great snack and it's easy to go. And so I don't know. I, I envision it as, a, as an airport type cafeteria food, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, so that's kind of what I would do differently if I were to restart Spoonful. That'd be I'd be really interested interested to see if that catches on and like turns into something down the road. Uh, but it that is I think that's a common thing that a lot of startups, new businesses encounter is they realize like uh, one, this is a huge time commitment. And two, this won't be like profitable until we see enough volume. And so yeah. it, it's just tough. And like, that's one of the tough things is uh, why that's one of the reasons why a lot of businesses don't make it out of that first year. Um, and I feel like, like there's those two sides and you hit one awesome with the validation, but the other is just, uh, is it, is it a big enough pain to make like it grow fast? And and like you said, maybe maybe it was just maybe a college campus wasn't the perfect location yeah. for it. But I love that story. I think it's an awesome business, and I'm excited to see if you do anything else with it in the future. Yeah. Uh, but I'd like to pivot a little bit because you are the the senior CR, CRO specialist at 97th floor. I know yeah. some basics of CRO, but I'd love I'd love to kind of chat with you about first off like just best practices what if you're building a website for a business what you should keep in mind as far as CRO go CRO goes and um and maybe some tips for small businesses who are trying to optimize their site even if they're not seeing loads and loads of traffic like some bigger brands yeah uh, and so j just to start off um for anyone who hears it who isn't super familiar with CRO like like me, uh, give us a basic rundown of, of what to keep in mind. I know you could probably go on this forever, but uh, <laughs> just a few major points that, or even resources that they could use when trying to optimize their site uh, for conversions. Yeah. Yeah, so what's funny <clears throat> is that CRO is often thought about as the way to increase conversions, which um, that that is 100% correct. Like 
uh, a lot of times that that is the main reason why people pursue CRO. Um, but the, the biggest thing, in my opinion, um, why people should be doing CRO um, is learning about the people who are coming onto your site. Um, CRO is not just a way to increase conversions, but it's the learnings that are, I would argue, more important than the conversions. Um, so, so basically, as a background, before I get into that, because I could go into that for a little bit, but um, CRO is basically um, the way that we do it at 97 Floor is we have the original site um, and we build out. So let's just, as an example, let's say we were going to change the color of a checkout button. That, that would be our test. And we were going to change it to three different colors, red, green, and blue. Um, how that looks is the original would be one variation. The second variation would be the red button, the blue button, and the second variation. And the third variation would be the green. Um, and so what happens is we run it through Google Optimize, where that software will basically take your amount of traffic and then divvy it up uh, equally to these um, different variations. And so then what we watch for is we watch how people are interacting with the site. Um, and um, we are seeing either negative results or positive results, and both are just as important um, because, you know, when you have a negative result, it's easy to get, um, you know, focused on, oh, whatever we did didn't work. Um, and so, uh, and, and that's true, right? You didn't increase conversions, but what you did learn was that that specific thing, um, your users just hated. And now, you know, going forward, like, let's not ever use that color again, or let's not ever use that value proposition in any of our landing pages and any of our content. Um, so anyway, that's basically the, the, the basics of CRO is it's um, running A-B tests to learn more about the people who are on your site to ultimately increase conversions. So, um, so like, like I was mentioning before, um, using CRO in that case to increase conversions works really well. Um, but what we're finding at 97.4 is our success is coming from the learnings that we're getting from these tests. So, um, for example, just the, uh, the other week, we ran a test for a company called Conservice. Um, and on their homepage, there's a main value proposition um, where it says um, the benefits of, of Conservice. So we, in a test, had made a variation where we changed it to, um, let's talk about why people love Conservice. And like, let's make it more customer focused. Why, why do people love us? Um, and then another variation was, let's talk about what makes Conservice different. Like, what, like, there's a ton of people in this industry. Let's talk about what makes them different. Anyway, we ran that test and we found that we had tripled the amount of people that were um, converting and, and signing up and filling out their form just by changing the value proposition to what makes Conservice different. Um, that was the winning variation. And so now we are currently developing landing pages because they're they're also doing paid through us um, about what makes the service different. We're looking at their pages. Um, where can we insert more content about what makes the service different or keywords that we can go after in SEO? Like um, CRO is often thought about its own department as its as its own thing. Um, and it's isolated by itself. But really, the the success that CRO brings is when you take the learnings from CRO, and you're putting it in your SEO efforts. You're putting it in your landing page efforts and your in your paid um, and and your content that you're writing. And so, um, I would say overall, I, I wasn't, I'm not sure if I answered your question because I know I went off on a tangent. But um, those are like the most important things about CRO that I think are should be known if you're ever looking into doing it on your site. Um, that it's not all about conversions when it's it's really about the learnings that you're getting about the users on your site. I I really like that. Um 
and and I'll I'll kind of try to explain that back to you to make sure I'm I'm getting it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, but like like you're saying, it's it's a lot more about the learnings than the conversions, and so um, you would say if if let's say it's an e-commerce store and you're testing a product page to see uh, which performs better, you would say a more valuable test would be almost having one product page that features like X kind of information and another features Y. So that way you realize and realize that, oh, our, our customers jive with X a little more rather than Y, rather than changing stuff like, oh, what if we remove, what if we moved the reviews a little higher on the page? Or what if we, we change the button color? You'd say like change, like almost themes of content are better tests than just little tiny changes to see if people click on it better. Uh, and so, I know both are valuable, but uh, yeah. it, like, is that kind of, would that be a fair statement or am I off? No. So I think, I think you're on to a degree. I, I think the, the, a sign of a good CRO specialist is when they can take learnings from any test that you do. So, you know, some of the smallest changes that we've seen, like we've actually done tests where we were, where we moved the review section a little bit higher on a, on a product page and it increased sales by a crazy amount. And so like, yes, it's easier to identify the learnings when it's literal content that you're changing, but sometimes you can, you can take learnings from small changes like that. So like with the reviews, if we were to move that up, you know, obviously like clearly, I mean, it's a common sense that reviews are of value to users to read before purchasing the, the product. And so like, um, I would say there's not a, there's not a test that's more important than the other um, because you can you can identify and learn about your user no matter what you're doing on your site because no matter what you're changing it's either going to work or it's not going to work um, and both ways you're going to uh, get a ton of knowledge from that. Awesome, um, and and kind of going off that question, if let's say if there is a like a startup they have a website. They've done no testing because they just got the site up, uh, and they launch. Uh, what would you suggest to them that it's that's because uh, CRO needs traffic? So let's say they're they're putting a decent m amount of paid ads to it to test these landing pages. Mm -hmm. What are some of the? And I I might be just too general, and you might just have to say it depends. Um, but for a startup, what kind of things would you want them to look at testing? first like and how do they know how to decide what kind of like what kind of learning they need i guess or, or what approach would they take for that yeah yeah that's a great question um the first part of that question is um whenever you're running a b testing on your sites it's always important that you have at least a thousand visits per month that's the number one thing um okay. and i say that because uh that is the number for you to get to statistical significance uh, at a relatively quick uh, rate. So if you're having four different variations and that, that traffic is being split up, um, it's going to take a little bit longer unless you have at least over a thousand sessions. So um, that's part one of that. The, the second part is if you have a thousand sessions and you can start testing, um, I highly, highly recommend that the first test you start with is something that is called an existence test. Um, and this is one of the most simple tests you can do on a website. Um, and what this looks like is, um, so you have the original site, right? Let's take a homepage, for example. Um, and let's say that on this homepage, there was four different 
chunks of content. There was a chunk of customer reviews or there was a chunk of uh, product images, uh, whatever the case may be. There's four different chunks of content. In this existence test, what you're going to do is in the first variation, you're going to wipe away, completely delete one of the, one of the chunks of content. Um, the second variation, you're going to delete the next one, third and fourth and, and onward. What that test is going to show you is um, when you look at the results uh, and you see a dramatic change in, in conversions, either way, let's talk about negative first. Let's say we remove the customer review section off of the homepage and conversions tanked. Completely just, we had a negative 400% decrease in amount of, in amount of conversions, right? Um, what we'll take from that is that obviously users cared about the customer reviews section. Obviously, they were gaining value in that section being live on the site um, in order to convert for whatever reason. We don't know that yet, but this is a really good first step. Let's say we remove the customer review section and conversions increase by 400% because that happens. You know, sometimes your gut instinct in CRO is you're like, no way that people hate this. Um, I love it. So obviously everyone loves it. And that's like a big mistake in CRO. And so mm -hmm. um, when you remove something and you see a big dramatic increase in conversions um, and, and it tells you that your gut instinct is wrong, which happens all the time, um, what that says to us is that something was blocking users from converting off of this customer review section, whether it be the content that was on it, whether they didn't love the imaging on it that made them click away. Um, that's, a, that's a good second step now that you know this piece of information, but as a good first step for, for startups and, and you are really trying to learn about the people on your site who are coming to your site, an existence test is without a doubt the, the best way for you to learn that at a really fast rate. Um, because what, when you remove things from a site, you're gonna get dramatic results negative or positive and it's great either way so that's so like the basic concept behind that kind of test is you do something major to it so then you know okay this thing is either positive or negative and then you can do further like more specific tests to figure out exactly why so like yeah. it, if you were to remove the reviews and conversions increase then you say okay there's something wrong with this review section. What if we do this or this and then A-B test the actual review section to see, to like yep. tone it to figure out a way to exactly figure, like make it better. Yeah. Well, that's cool. It's, it's almost like you could do, so you do an existence test to figure out what section's important. And then within that specific section, you can do another existence test. So you tr you're taking away the value proposition. You're taking away the images in that one section. Um, and it's, the results, Dale, are, are, are some of the craziest things I have ever seen. Um, changing the smallest things, like a, the size of a button, just making it a little bit bigger, dramatic increases. So it's it's crazy what CRO can unfold. It's it's insane. I love it. That's so weird because it's it's not intuitive that you think. Yeah. Oh, like, uh, and even with just the color test, like, yeah. I don't know it. I guess to understand really why it would happen, you either need to A, B test it or just understand the human mind perfectly, which yeah, <laughs> I don't think anyone can do. Yeah, I teach my team uh, that the, the first thing I teach them is that you your instincts um, when building tests and brainstorming tests, um, you need to give, get those away. Like, because more often than not, what you think looks good is all the time wrong. So... Yeah, so it's always about just doing what you think is going to be a good test rather than what you think looks good or what you think will perform good. It's it's 
getting behind the data. Uh, and at 97 Floor, we partner with our content team who are experts for the client. And so they, they come to us with ideas about testing um, and things that they want to learn specifically. And so it's a great partnership and, and a great way that we bring great results for our clients um, every, every time. So that's, awesome. that's really interesting. Um, well, Spencer, thanks for joining me. This, this was super fun. Before we go, I'd like to ask you, do you have, uh, since we talked about Sierra for a good portion of it, mm-hmm. if someone like listen to this and they think, okay, I need Sierra for my site, or I need to learn how to do this, and they can't afford an agency at this point. Are, are there yeah. any resources that you would direct anyone towards if they want to learn better CRO? Or is there, uh, yeah, any resource, any method, any, or just like, what would you suggest for someone wanting to learn more on this topic? Yeah, so I mean, I would highly recommend using the software um, um, Google Optimize. Um, they have a free version of it, so. Uh, really, and it's a simple, simple method of just installing a, a little bit of snippet code in, in the back end of your site um, and start running tests. Um, again, another tool that is free and I recommend using uh, is called Hotjar. Um, and that is basically a heat mapping to see how user is, users are interacting with your site. So both of those tools can just be simply installed in the back end of your site um, and to let you get started right away. Um, and as far as like um, resources to learn more, um, you know, our blog produces a lot of, of great resources for that, but also CXL.com is another great resource for people to learn more. They are, are really great experts in this industry. And so, um, yeah. And, and again, like if, if someone's looking to test and, and they feel like they, they could bring on an agency, we, we would be happy to, we, we look in at your site and we'll give you a detailed like explanation about like what we will test and the variations that we would test and why we're testing it. Um, we, we do that for everyone. So, and that's free too. So anyway, there's, there's lots of resources and I, I definitely recommend starting with the Google Optimize and Hotjar. Awesome. Well, Spencer, thank you. Thank you again for agreeing to join us. This was super fun. I learned a ton. Hopefully anyone who watches it, uh, learns more about CRO and how they can improve that and, and focus on the learnings and, and for everyone who watched, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, if you want to learn more about startups and, and more specifics on how you can make a better startup from day one, uh, go ahead and like the video and subscribe to the channel. Um,